Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast today. We're going to be talking about bringing the gospel home. What we're really talking about is how your family can have a Bible study this year in the Gospel of Mark. Now, before you panic and saying, Steve, I don't have a theology degree, uh, I don't know Greek, I'm not a Bible expert, I can't begin to have a family Bible study in my home. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to be sharing with you five very easy steps in order to both prepare and accomplish a Bible study in your family, and the whole thing, your research, your preparation, and delivery will take you 15 minutes a week, and I do believe it will make a lasting, perhaps an everlasting difference in the lives of your children. But before I tell you how, I want to motivate you, so I'm going to talk about why. Why in the world would you want to prepare yourself in order to have a very simple Bible study in your family. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the children of Israel had just come out of slavery, had experienced a mighty salvation, a mighty deliverance from Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, and God was going to prepare them for going into the promised land. But let me give you a big hint, because this is why this is so relevant today. The promised land was not the holy land back then. The promised land was the extreme unholy land. The culture where these families and the children of Israel as a, a people were about to enter were going into a land, get this, where religious worship included orgies, male and female prostitution, and I'm talking about in the middle of religious worship, and then something that's honestly beyond my comprehension, but is part of the religious worship. Families, mom and dads, would bring their babies and place them upon a burning altar to the god Moloch and watch their children being burned alive while they were screaming in pain. Now, you think we've got it bad? They were going to have it worse, and God knew this, so he wanted to prepare them. You know, God never lets us get into a situation he doesn't give us both the grace and the means to deal with those situations. I don't know about you, but the first decade of this century kind of threw me. I couldn't believe how fast our culture decayed. And I began thinking, actually, for a couple of years, really, what do we do? What do we do in the mess that our culture finds itself in? And while even you're taking the time to try to think and really come up with something really solid, a really solid strategy, 
the culture gets unimaginably worse. It's like the ground shifting under our feet. Well, this is the situation that the children of Israel found themselves in. And this is what God said. This was the very center of the message that God was sharing with the children of Israel about to go into this horrendous, unholy land. And this is what he said. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel. In Hebrew, the verb here is Shema. And this is the great Shema in Judaism. If you want to get to the core of the core of the core of the old covenant, this is it. This is the great Shema. And what is it? Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, I did a lot of thinking over my sabbatical year when I took off after 14 years or so of Catholic radio and really thought, I just don't want to do another show. I I want to grab something that's rock solid to give families for the cultural situation we're finding ourselves in. And I did the series, Transformative Parenting, emphasizing that what is needed as the world becomes dark, as the culture decays, as the ground shifts under our feet, is a corresponding internal strength of the heart. And that is what God gives in any and every situation. So here, not just, O Israel, here, O Catholics in the 21st century, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Don't be just churchgoers. Don't be cafeteria Catholics. All in, okay? Now, that's great for mom and dad, but what about the kids? As you know, children are so vulnerable because... They're very, they're like little sponges. They just pick up whatever is put in front of them. So what are you going to do in a culture where the religious worship openly has orgies and prostitution and burning babies alive? What are you going to do? Well, God says, and these words, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, particularly Deuteronomy, but these scriptures, these words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. Now, mom and dad, put the words on your heart. And then he says, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. See, this is what I call heart-to-heart transformative parenting. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Okay. These words shall be upon your heart. And then parents, teach them to your children because you have this relational bond. Please hear me ever so carefully because many strategies that worked in former generations and even former decades are not going to be sufficient for where we are what I call head-to-head catechesis, which is basically treating religious knowledge as it's an abstract topic 
for a, simply a classroom. And as long as one mind, uh, and this is a good thing, don't get me wrong, I believe in conveying lots of religious information, but if it's limited to putting something from my mind to a child's mind in a very abstract setting without a relational bond between teacher and child, it will probably not be enough in the 21st century. We need heart-to-heart transformation, and that's why those who love these children the most, know them the most, have the strongest relational bonds the most, are to love God with all their hearts, and then love God's Word within their heart, and then share from their heart. And by the heart, I'm not talking about the Valentine's Day Hallmark cards, a little emotion and warm fuzzies. I'm talking about the deepest, most profound center of the human being. And from that depth, parents share with their children. That's what works. And that's why the family circle is the most effective avenue for spiritual formation of children growing up in a darkening culture. Now you're saying, well, what should I do if I'm a catechist or a youth leader or a Catholic school teacher? Should I just quit? No, that's not what I would say to do, but become wise. If God knew this was the strategy that would work in the unholy land for the children of Israel, this strategy will work in the culture that we're facing today. And if the family circle at its root, it's this heart-to-heart transformation, well, a wise catechist or a youth leader or a Catholic school teacher will want to resemble the family dynamic in their catechesis. So they will want to use, in addition to whatever classroom teaching they undertake, they'll want to use things like camps and retreats and picnics and trips and welcoming students to teachers' homes. So basically, they're deeply rooting the faith in the children's minds and hearts. That's how it works, okay? Now, that's why I want parents to do this. You are best equipped, and that's why the church— forever has called parents to primary educators of their children. In practice, that hasn't really, just hasn't been done, but it has to be done today. And then the catechists, the youth leaders, the school teachers, the priests, all of these fine folks are the secondary agents to also convey from heart to heart the truth of God's word to children. But we're going to be talking about particularly parents bringing the gospel home and how to engage in a family Bible study in the gospel of Mark this year. The church goes through a three-year cycle in its liturgical seasons, and each year they focus on one of the three gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. At different times during the church year, the gospel of John is brought in, or if it's during the Christmas season, certain passages from the beginning of the Gospel of Luke or Matthew are brought in regarding what year it is. But this year, we're going to be focusing on the Gospel of Mark. And what the basic strategy is, is to reverberate in the home what is heard in the church. The home, the family, has been called by St. John Paul II and many others the domestic church. And basically, the idea is so that what is heard in the church is reinforced and deepened and 
basically given the, the, the family encouragement in the home. And this is a very simple sounding strategy, but believe me, this will root it far, far deeper than if you just take your children to mass and that's the end of it, okay? So you basically want to get a tool. I'm recommending a very simple tool that you use for this. And moms and dads, if you're listening, uh, this is really an area where dad can play a very vital role. Obviously, all members of the family can participate in this, moms, dads, and kids who can read and share and discuss and everything. But dad particularly, I'm, I'm talking to you, the best tool, just like when you set out in a project or after Christmas, you know, you get one of those gifts for your kids that uh, assembly required, you know, those kind of terrifying words you read on the outside of the box. And what's the first thing you do when there's assembly required? what tools you would need uh, before you engage. Even if you don't read the instructions, you at least read what tools you'll need because you need a tool in order to accomplish the project successfully. And the single tool that I'm recommending that you will need to accomplish this because it's really done the work for you is a study Bible booklet called the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible on Mark. Now there's a big, large, thick study Bible called the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, and it's really good. But all you need for this year is the 58-page booklet, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible on Mark. And you can get this anywhere at a Catholic bookstore, Amazon, and you're looking at a booklet that's only 58 pages. Now, the nice thing about a study Bible, it's like having a two-in-one tool uh, right in your hands, because in the top part of the page of the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, you'll read the text from Mark, the actual scripture text. But on the very same page, there's a line across the, say, the middle of the page or two-thirds of the way down the page. On the bottom of the page, you'll have an explanation of what Jesus is talking about or what Jesus is doing in the Gospel of Mark same page. So you're not having to flip through three different books or back and forth and all this type of thing. It's right there. What you will need to do is figure out what the gospel readings for that Sunday are by either paying attention to Mass, which is a great thing to do, or just Google it. It'll take you seconds to get readings for the whole year and download those. And you'll want to basically read that in advance, I would recommend even before Mass on Sunday morning, just get your coffee. This will just take really, um, I'd say maybe three minutes, four minutes to read through it, maybe another minute or two. Then there's a secondary tool that I'd recommend. It's not necessary, but this is like work done for you. This is like an assembled toy for your kids. You don't even have to do the work. Scott Hahn has a really good, well-focused, and reliable commentary on each Sunday's readings on his website. If you want to find it, just uh, it's the Sunday Bible Reflections by Scott Hahn. 
just Google Scott Hahn Sunday Bible Reflections or go to his website, salvationhistory.com. That's all one string, salvationhistory.com. And it's an audio clip that's only three minutes long. So let's say you're at work Friday, leaving work in the afternoon, early evening. You can just go to his website when your smartphone, punch it up, and Bluetooth it to your speakers in your car. And before you hit your first exit, you're going to have the Sunday Gospel reading, a basic, very uh, well-articulated summation in words that you can understand, three-minute summary of what you want to bring home. And I don't think it's even necessary to listen to Scott, but I'm just saying if you want something in addition to the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, and actually I think this has a kind of an interesting snowballing effect, because the more you dig into this, it, it really does get pretty interesting. And even Mass gets more interesting, because you kind of are figuring out why the Old Testament reading goes with the New Testament reading, and what's going on in the Gospel, and it's it's very useful, okay? So all of this, Scott Hahn, three minutes, and that's just if you want to. The Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, I'm saying three to five minutes max, okay? And then you just take five or six minutes with your family on Sunday after one of your Sunday meals together, and here's five simple steps to go through as you gather. The first step is to offer a prayer, a heartfelt prayer. I've probably shared this too often on the air, but my experience in the Navy was the most shocking thing that I can even describe. I'm talking about my experience with the Bible. I was 20, 20 years old, and up to that point, uh, I wasn't against Christianity, but I did think that the Bible was probably the most boring book in the world. I, you know, I just did. But I got to a point in my life where... I was really searching for answers. I was looking for other religions and everything else. And I bought a Bible uh, trying to free my karma in a process of reincarnation. And I don't believe that anymore, just FYI. But in any case, the woman, while I was buying this Bible to free my karma and all that, said, I want you to pray before you read this. I said, sure. And she grabbed the bag with my Bible. I mean, I've already given her my money. And she grabbed the bag back and she says, I want you to pray before you read this. And I said, I will. And I got back on my ship. I don't know where we were, probably out at sea at the time. And I pulled it out. And I remember that woman and I did pray. And it was life-changing because the, the, the words, which before I thought were so boring, just came to life. And so I remember there is a... Uh, fellow sailor in my ship. We worked in kind of corresponding offices. So, you know, we ran into each other a lot. I had no idea he was a committed Christian. And he said, you know, kind of asked me, he says, Steve, I see some changes in your life. And I said, yes. I said, I found this Bible. I said, this Bible is unlike, unlike any Bible you've ever seen. And uh, I was going on and on. He just smiled and he pulled a little New Testament out of his pocket and said, Steve, read this. I said, wow. This one's good too. And, you know, I, I, don't, I thought it was some special translation or something like, 
No, it was God sending his Holy Spirit to open this up. So uh, I've labored the point, but truly pray. Pray for your children too. If you want a simple prayer, one is in Psalm 119 and verse 18. The psalmist prays, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I've just made a family paraphrase of this, just kind of using a, a plural here. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Or anything from the heart, just asking God to truly open the eyes of the heart and then share it. So that's just step one, pray. Step two, it's not hard. Read the gospel that was the gospel reading for that day in Mass. And maybe just a paragraph. Sometimes it's a, it's a bit longer. It can be almost a full page, but read that. I think it's really important that uh, parents read it aloud, that children hear God's Word with their parents' voices, and especially Dad. Um, I know my wife Karen at times mentioned it's important that the kids hear your voice with the scriptures. So, Dad, you want to be definitely a part of this, but if the children want to take a turn reading and reading a portion of it, that's fine too. So, first, pray. Second, read. And now, points uh, or steps three and four, you can interchange these, but simply point out one truth. You don't have to give a lengthy, in fact, I recommend not giving any kind of lengthy, in-depth explanation. Just point out one relevant truth from the passage you've just read. Where do I get that? On the bottom of the page of the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, you'll certainly come across one relevant truth. Well, what if I really don't understand what that's talking about? Then you go to salvationhistory.com and spend three minutes with Scott Hahn, and he'll certainly give you not only one important truth, but the main point, the main truth out of that gospel passage. And third, if that doesn't work, how about listening to your priest homily? Certainly there's going to be something in there that you can come back home and simply reverberate. Doesn't have to be anything, you know, tremendously new or unheard of, because a lot of times when we just hear it this second time, it roots it deeper. So just point out one truth, and it's fine to repeat something that was said in the homily, something that Scott Hahn says, or something that's said in Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. But again, you're not supposed to become a preacher or a theologian or a PhD candidate in philosophy. You just want to share one simple truth with your children, okay? Along with one truth, step four— suggest one practical application. In other words, a truth is your understanding, what it means, but a truth, heart-to-heart and rooted in the heart, isn't left floating in midair as an abstract truth, but we want to root the truth in our life, and that's where application comes. So if you're reading something about forgive your brother 70 times 7 and, you know, had kind of a blow up in the house and one kid's still mad at another kid for something that was done last Wednesday, you can just subtly suggest that how might this work with brothers and sisters? Bring the truth home, bring it into your, or just share a personal example, how you think this might apply in your life. You just, you don't have to pick up, pick on uh, all of your kids. So uh, one application and then 
uh, I suggest one question. And the question can be step four, uh, one practical application, but step five would be ask one question. And the question would be, how might this apply in our lives? Or why do you think this is important? Or why do you think Father emphasized this? Or, or why do you think Jesus did this? Or what exactly is Jesus saying that we need to pay attention to? Uh, just come up with a question. And you say, well, I'm not sure if I can come up with questions. Well, this is a little bit harder, but not hard. In the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, if you turn to the back for every chapter in the Gospel of Mark, there are discussion questions. And just take one and make sure you take a simple one to share with your kids. So pray, one. Step two, read. Step three, point out a truth. Step four, suggest one practical application. And five, ask one question. That's it. Now, what's going to become of this? Well, I've shared with you over the air, it's something that's really rattled me, George Barna's findings that about 60 to 70 percent of young people don't stay faithful throughout the transition to their teen or 20s. So how do you keep them together? Well, Fuller Seminary, their youth institute, conducted a massive nationwide study of 11,000 teenagers. That's a lot of young people. And it was called their College Transition Project. And they wanted to find the best practices that set children and teens on a path to lifelong faith and service. And they did this study over a six-year project all across the country with 11,000 teenagers. And they identified about 13 major youth strategies that were done by churches. But there was one particular strategy out of the 13 categories that correlated with strong, mature faith amongst high school and college students. And guess what that was? It was intergenerational worship and discipleship. In other words, keep parents and young people together on the faith journey, and then you'll have success in preventing the enormous drifting away from the faith after graduation. And so if the very best strategy amongst all the youth strategies is simply keeping parents and their children together, how much better if the parents are actually doing the teaching with their children together, heart to heart, hearing God's word in the depths of our hearts so that we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, no matter what our cultural situation. You've been listening to Faith and Family. I'm Steve Wood. Till next time, may God bless you and your family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.